With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels. It's us again after the international break. We've got our usual man in the corner, Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right, not too bad. Um, loads to talk about this week, even though we've only got a game. And to discuss it all with us is the Chelsea Mancunian himself. It's Mr. Nizar Kinsella. Hello, Naz. How are you, mate? Long time to see. Yeah, good. Great to be back as always. But yeah, I missed you guys. Ah, no. We've been missing you as well. What have you been up to? Who are you working for at this moment in time? Because you you do all sorts of things, don't you? Well, I work for Goal, but that's my primary, my uh, stable employment. But I do the odd bit of radio here and a bit of TV, if I can get anything like that. Uh, have you been poached by The Athletic yet? No, I think there is. Uh, seems going there. They're stocked. Liam Toomey and Simon Johnson. Good lineup. I think I'm the the last of the sort of free agents. You know, not behind a paywall. Ah, there you go. You're keeping it real. Is that what you're saying, Naz? Keeping it free. <laughs> <laughs> free and easy. But um, so, Naz, how, how does it work for you on the, on kind of like we've had this international break uh, and things. Do you get because you're you're always following Chelsea and seeing what's going on? How how does the international break for you? Do you do you cover the international games or do you cover Chelsea players specifically? What's what does it mean for you? Well, it was a good. It's kind of a bit quieter, so we're getting into the two games a week period. So it's like, it's like the last time I could have a bit of a quiet period. So a couple of days off here. Uh, but I did go to the um, in- the first England game, the 4-0 against Bulgaria. Saw Mason Mount's debut, um, chatted to Mason Mount briefly, chatted to Declan Rice, his, his best mate, um, which is probably a story you've all seen. So, uh, yeah, really nice lad who came through Chelsea, uh, got let go at 14, and um, he talks all about 
uh, Mason Mount and and how proud he was of him. Um, he, he actually is his best mate as well. Um, so I did a did a little bit of that and also just getting ahead. I interviewed Ida Good Jonsson, which you might have seen. He's the under twenty one uh, assistant manager at Iceland. So uh, yeah, he was really interesting and um, he was best mates with Lamps in his playing days as well. So very relevant to what's going on at Chelsea right now. I met Ida Good Jonsson fairly recently. He was very drunk. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really off his head. Him and Steve Sidwell. And uh, I had a, I had a selfie taken with uh, Ida Goodjohnson and Steve Sibwell, and Ida Goodjohnson drunkenly lent, lent over to Steve Sibwell and, and said, "Look, a couple of Fulham legends." <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he was. This was at Frank's um, uh, Legends of Football do where they were. Really, I mean, he was good fun, but he was off his head. What did you think of Mason Mount when you spoke to him? Were you were you impressed? Yeah, he's um, very intelligent, very well brought up. You'll hear people uh, like Frank Lampard talk about his mentality um, as one of his primary attributes. And yeah, he's kind of got a very uh, sort of switched on head about him. He's only 20 years old, but uh, you'd think you'd be talking to an older older lad. Um, but he's just got that kind of a bit of youth as well and that enthusiasm that he's got for the game and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been impressed with him. I did a, quite a long interview with him when he was at Derby County last season and uh, I also interviewed him when he was at Vitesse, um, like one-on-one. So I've spent a little bit of time with him and followed him right from the start, really. And uh, mm. yeah, he's, he's just absolutely lovely lad. Deserves everything he's got or he's getting in football right now. It's not been easy, but um, yeah, he's a unique talent um, and a big part of that's, you know, the way he is, his mentality. Very intelligent. Um, I think he can carry out the tactics as well, which is a big thing. He's a he's a modern footballer. He's not your kind of like typical English bruiser who, who just plays four four two. He's a, a lot more nuanced and complex than that. Naz, mm. I mean, you, you, you interestingly, you said you talked to him at Derby. I mean, there's two questions I want to ask you. First is when you talked to him basically, basically last season at Derby. Did you ever get the feeling he was confident that he would come back to Chelsea or was it still a bit of a pipeline dream? Because, of course, let's not forget, last year was not exactly a case of youngsters look as though they're going to come to the fore under Sarri. So how did you view that? Yeah, I, I did. He, he felt confident, but I wasn't confident in him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was confident he's going to have a great career, become an England international, absolutely. But I wasn't confident he was going to get his Chelsea chance this season. Uh, absolutely not. And I didn't think... Uh, Lampard was coming until after the sort of or, or towards the Europa League final, really. So, uh, yeah, I was I was kind of really happy, but kind of a bit surprised, like everyone, that people like Mason and and Tammy and Fikayo Tomori, even more so, are getting their chance in in the Chelsea first team. It's great to see. Um, I thought he would always be good enough. I thought he was always going to get to the top of the game in a top top six club somewhere. He could have done a De Bruyne. Uh, could have been lost to the game for a bit. Could have gone to Germany, maybe come back to England and, and, and smashed it somewhere else. But no, he's a Chelsea player. And I think that everyone identifies with him. And I think Chelsea fans already love him. Um, you know, you, you walk past the club shop and you see number 19, Mason Mount. That's That's the shirt they're showing off at the moment. And I bet it's a big seller. So do you think he, so you're saying that he did think that he would make it at Chelsea. He had that belief. Yeah, single-mindedly, he believed it. Absolutely. And also, okay, the the other quick thing, and and I'll I'll flip over to Andy, um, is do you think everyone before the internationals last week was going on about Madison was going to get his chance? This was it. This was his big moment. And suddenly he doesn't get to play and Mason comes on. 
does that say something about how Southgate views Mason Mount as a player and how actually what we're seeing that the world of professional football views Mason Mount because he looks like everybody loves him. Yeah, you know, I think that's clear. If he's going to play him in a in a competitive England qualifier, clearly says something about what he thinks of Mason Mount. And Madison's a fine player. I really like Madison. He he played very well against us earlier in the season. Um, and I think he's a, a player that's really got big things ahead of him. But Mason Mount is delivering. He's delivering week in, week out. And Southgate has said that he's going to pick players on form. He's going to pick the form players. So Mason Mount got his chance. And 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 like seemingly like whenever he gets a chance he takes it and this is something that I wanted to to press on a little bit which is all these conversations we've had over the years about giving youth a chance um my view has always been if you're good enough you're good enough and if the chance comes along you need to take it and what's so thrilling I think about this season is not only we're giving youth a chance but they're all taking it they're taking their chances with both hands yeah, Naz, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there is something about Mason Mount that actually Madison's had a pretty good start to the season as well, but Mason Mount is the one who makes those two appearances? Yeah, he's definitely ahead of uh, Madison in the pecking order, but what, what, what we do know about Southgate is that um, he's been tracking Mason Mount for a long time. Obviously, he was a youth coach uh, for the England um, for a while, so he's, he's, he's had Mason Mount on his radar, uh, used him in youth games, um, but also he, he called him up ahead of um, the World Cup. Uh, Mason Mount just been on loan to Vitesse so a lot of people hadn't really had their eyes on him but certainly Southgate did because he called him up he didn't bring him in the uh, World Cup squad of course but he called him up to training to sort of fill the numbers to look at him um, look at him more closely on a day-to-day basis again and see see what his development was like after a season at Vitesse so um, Southgate's been having his eye on him he did the same with Rhys James last season as well Um, called him up with just to make the numbers in, in training so uh, yeah, he's a he's a big big player for Southgate. I think he sort of sees him as a missing link. Where England have been looking for that creative midfielder who can find the final ball. Um, you know, you look at the, looking back at the last World Cup, and I think that's what was missing. We needed a sort of Modric type, a technical midfielder, a small one who's tactically brilliant but also technically excellent. And that's certainly a category that I put Mason Mount in. And do do you think that um, Mason Mount, he looks as though he's quick to learn. Is this this part of the confidence that comes with getting support from managers? It's obvious that through the Chelsea youth structure, we've heard his name bandied around over the years. Oh, he's going to be a a pretty good player. And then when he goes off with Frank, Frank just adores him by the looks of it, mainly because I think he's got that indescribable ability to appear in the box, which we're already seeing. How relevant do you think that unbelievable knack of already getting into the box has made him so important for people? Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the hardest things to train as well. Can you um, get into the box at the right time? Can you kind of sniff out a goal, uh, especially for a midfield where you don't you don't get to be in there, uh, you know, all, all the way through the game? So, um, yeah, he's got that to his locker and he's played in several different positions for Chelsea. He's played sort of attacking. Like he did against Wolves, played in the wing uh, against Sheffield United. He's played, uh, you know, in more central areas in in the midfield in a deeper role. Um, I think that's something that both Southgate and Lampard like as well, because um, Lampard's changed his system, you know, week in week out. And Mason Mount's making sure he can't be dropped. So, I mean, Christian Pulisic, fifty-eight million pound on the bench, Mason Mount in the starting lineup. 
that says loads about him. And uh, yeah, I, obviously Frank Lampard loves him, but um, I think most people do. I think you know if you did coach him, you'd be delighted to have him in your team. Andy, we're, we're, okay, we'll, we'll move on to to the game now. Uh, Wolves, we talked about last week has been a really sticky game. It was the one we were kind of really worried about after last year and the performance there and getting beaten. How surprised were you when you suddenly saw that Frank had made a tactical decision to go three at the back? Not not overly surprised. I mean, uh, encouraged because it shows that he has flexibility. He's not taking a Sarri my way or the highway type approach to his uh, man management and team management that he's looking at the teams that we're playing and at the players that we've got available and thinking what's the best way to set out for the game ahead of us. So, so from that point of view, it was great. It was great to see um, Christensen, uh, Tamori, and um, you know, and of course Rudiger back uh, in the starting lineup. Um, and I think it was also great to see Alonso in an attacking role and being able to play to his strengths and I think Alonso is somebody we'll probably come on and talk about but I thought giving him the opportunity to bomb down the wing and and put crosses in and and play to his strengths was good so it was nice to see that Frank is thinking this stuff through tactically and setting out a team to play each opposition in turn. So Naz would you say that actually by doing this so early in his career at Chelsea we are seeing that Frank is a bit of a thinker isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think that's how he, he described himself, actually, when I interviewed him when he was at Derby as well. Um, he said he's a thinker. That's that's the the exact sort of phrase he used to sum himself up, as in, you know, when Mourinho said the special one as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think that he's he likes to tinker. I called him Tinker Lamps, um, you know, named him after Ranieri, his first manager at Chelsea. So uh, yeah, it's, it's quite nice to see. And I think that you see in modern football now, um, that kind of springing a surprise can definitely get you points. So I've heard, seen interviews with Eddie Howe um, and a few other managers where they, they kind of look for a, a system that, that can kind of put the other team off the guard. And that's certainly what Lampard did. I thought Willian and Mount caused problems in those areas in, in, in the sort of like uh, between the centre-backs running in behind. And then you had like Alonso overlapping just as he likes to do. Um, Tamori stepping up into midfield and uh, Rudiger doing the same. Uh, I thought, you know, it caused it caused a lot of problems. Chelsea were just totally dominant. I mean, it was it was kind of unbelievable that Wolves scored two and, and made it a bit shaky for a while. But uh, yeah, it was a great performance. And yeah, obviously thoroughly entertaining. I think Chelsea fans absolutely loved it. And, you know, 11 goals for academy players in, in the first five games is great. And so we could actually, going back to that point about him being a thinker and and the tinker, maybe we can call Frank the thinker tinker. <laughs> so just just an idea. But uh, Andy, um, moving on to that, that think of the three-man defence, how different do we look with Rudiger in, in a defence, no matter what the shape, and how different did we look once he went off the pitch? Yeah, I mean, we looked, you know, much improved and much calmer and much more organised. He's a huge player for us, Rudiger. He's one of these players that you don't really know what you've got until he's gone. And this period that we've had without him in the team has left us a little bit shapeless and a little bit leaderless at the back. So having him back, it was a, a major boost, I think. And in that first half, they didn't really have a sniff because he marshaled those five at the back uh, very, very well. Uh, going off at half time um, and Zuma coming on, I think Zuma's had a you know a decent start to the season and, and has done a job, but he's no Rudiger. And, and again, we sort of 
didn't look as solid and secure when he wasn't there. Hopefully, he had a little bit of a groin strain, I understand. Hopefully, it's not too serious and we'll see him back very soon because when he's in the team, we look, we look, we look twice to defence. What do you think, Naz? Rudiger, um, what have you heard? Groin strain, is it serious? Is it precautionary with the, the week we've got coming up with Champions League and Liverpool? Or do you think this is a real setback for him? And uh, was he a huge difference to our defence? Uh, yeah, I think he was a difference. But yeah, he's got a groin issue and it's um, you know he's out of training today and he's definitely out of the Champions League game. So it, it, it's trying to get back for Liverpool, really. Um, but yeah, Frank Lampard... Um, said he's had it for a while, this groin issue. Um, while he's been training, he's sort of been trying to manage this this problem. And he stepped on the metal grate next to the Wolves dugout. There's a metal like uh, me- uh, you know piece of flooring, and he stepped on it. And he sort of you know when you were studs, he slipped and pulled his groin. So it was, it was a very unlucky and bizarre injury actually. And I, I saw it happen at the time, and I was like. He doesn't look good there after that, um, but yeah, hopefully it's not too bad because it, it is. It would be a big loss, and and I think with um, sort of the, the back four, I think Chelsea looks a lot better in a back three, so they need kind of numbers in there as well. Even if they are going to rotate, they need as many players as they can because they've only got Tamore, Christensen, Rudiger, and Zuma who can really play there. Maybe you can put Aspie there but then you need to find another right-back. So Reese James needs to come back and, and get in the team. So, uh, yeah, I think that I think that that's an issue uh, going forward. And I think that Chelsea might look to that back three again, just judging by how successful it was. Um, it, obviously, they've been wide open in games up until now. And, and the Wolves game was the first game where Chelsea looked like they had a level of control, which is the complete difference. I think there's an echo of Conte's first season, isn't it? Going three at the back. You know, that was the, the sort of tipping point for him, the catalyst for, for his philosophy to really blossom and, and for the success that we had after that. So maybe three at the back is a talismanic formation for Chelsea. Yeah, and also there's something that we have to talk about here as well in the fact we'll get on to Alonso in a second. But for me, it was very interesting that Dave, I thought, had his best game for ages. And yet, He'd been part of a back three previously for Chelsea, but as part of the back three. And now he's playing in the more forward role and dropping back. I thought he had a really good game. What about you, Naz? Yeah, I did. But um, I was was kind of surprised he had a good game because I thought when he played there for Conte, he didn't look that good. Maybe I was just comparing it to him as the sort of right-sided centre-back where Aspie was sensational, absolutely brilliant at that role, getting assists as well as, as sort of just being an unbeatable defender. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised how well he played in that in that role. And he's against Johnny, who I think is a really good wing-back for Wolves. So um, it was no, no easy task to play on that side. So yeah, and he's obviously, he's been sort of a scapegoat at the start of the season and, and been massively criticised by a section of the fan base, which... I thought it's unfair after so many years of service, so many games, so many trophies, so many minutes. Um, such a dependable player, and he's had a few bad games, and and some have turned on him, which you know is unfair. I don't think the real fans have turned on him though. Um, but yeah, I think everyone was happy to see him put in a good performance there, and um, you know most of the team really did. I thought maybe Zuma struggled when he came on, and I worry about whether he can adapt to that three at the back, but. Aspie was surprisingly good in that right back, right wing back role because I thought he I thought he was more suited to other positions in the defence. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know how you saw it, Andy, but it, it was great though to, for him. It must give him confidence to have a game like that, don't you think? 
Yeah, he's one of the world's best defenders. There's no doubt about that. He has, as Naz said, had an incredible uh, run of seasons for Chelsea Football Club and, and won an awful lot and been at the heart of a lot of the very good stuff that we've done over recent years. So to write him off after a few bad games and to criticise him, I think was very harsh and unnecessary and inappropriate. I think we need to play we need to play to his strengths and we need to understand what makes Dave tick as much as what makes the the rest of the team tick and giving him the freedom to uh operate in the way he did on Saturday I think was a smart move by Lampard and clearly that formation worked for a bunch of players and don't forget we've still got Kante to come back and slot into that which will give us even more solidity uh in defense and and a little bit more steel so I think things are looking really good in whatever formation we play what would you say uh, to this this three at the back? Is this something that we think we'll see now more regularly, or is it something he'll revert to when he tries to match up against sides? Is he likely to to play this say against Liverpool, Naz? What, what what's your view on the back three? I think sort of Lampard is making it up as he goes along, but that's not an, that's not to insult him or or anything like that. I think he is experimenting still. He's just got in the job, and I think that it's not going to be. Kind of like Conte moment completely, uh, you know, it was very similar to when Conte impl- implemented three at the back. Uh, you know, Conte's defense had been leaking left, right, and centre. Then they got, uh, you know, Chelsea got battered by Arsenal three nil, um, and we're all over the place. And Conte switched and had a thirteen game winning run. And it's a bit like that in that it was such a radical uh, change, and it was such a impressive performance after uh, some weak games really from Chelsea. So. Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be in the repertoire. Switching between three or four kind of formations this season, um, and yeah, I think it's it's going to tailor to opponents. But that could end up being one of the primary ones, just because it was so much more solid, um, and and you know the, the the ability of the sort of three at the back just to cover uh, where where other defenders you know have struggled you know in a back two so um it's been it's been a roaring success and it'll be I part wonder, of the, yeah. the sort of swiss army um tactic set for lampard i wonder how much uh, a player's uh, experience as a player comes into it when they transition into management because if you think about it lampard played a lot of his glory years in a four at the back, you know, four, two, three, one under, under um, Mourinho particularly. And I wonder if he looks back on that as a player and thinks of that as the most secure uh, or most effective formation um, and, and whether that plays any part. I don't know. Um, you, you would think that the modern manager would, would be aware of all of the various formation changes and, you know, and what they bring to the team. But uh, I wonder if he just sort of hankers after that, you know, the, those glory years when he played in the midfield when there were four at the back. Yeah, it could be. I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually what, what this three at the back did was allow us to play some very exciting football going forward. And, you know, it, we, we still need to see what it's like when we've got Rudiger in there all the time and that we've got, you know, Kante back in. You know, that, that will change everything. But what was interesting was how good Alonso looked uh, within, within this setup. And also, what does this mean for Emerson? It's, it's kind of, will Emerson play in when it's a back four and Alonso when it's a back three? How do we see that developing, that situation? Because up until his injury, Emerson's been brilliant, hasn't he, Naz? Yeah, he's been one of the best players. Um, and, yeah, it's clear that Alonso's way more comfortable in the wing-back role. So, uh, yeah, I think that you could see that Alonso might outperform Emerson when it's when it's a back 
back sort of three, and then when it's a back four, you'll see Emerson outperforming him. And it, I think Alonso had a big smile on his face when he walked out of the stadium, um, which I haven't seen for a while. So uh, I think he was delighted to switch back to that. But there's going to be winners and losers whenever Chelsea change formation. Um, I th- you know, Christian Pulisic might not fit in very well in that system because I think when you're as quick as he is, you want to be sort of getting chalk on your boots and getting right down the touchline um, at times. Or, you know, he can cut inside and he can be effective in that way as well but I think he, he likes the option of playing very wide which is more what the wing backs do in that system um, so yeah I think that you know there's going to be winners and losers when, when, when you see Chelsea switching it around One of the problems that Pulisic is going to have is the form of William who I thought was magnificent on Saturday, I thought he was the catalyst for a lot of the really good stuff that we did, he set the tempo he was pure energy he was on the front foot. I think that he was, you know, the, the William of old. And we write William off at our peril as well. I think he's going to be a really important player for us this season. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely spot on there, Andy. I mean, he looked as though he was enjoying his football again. Maybe that's also because he, he's had problems with injury, getting his season started. But he looked like William. He, do, he does that wonderful thing where he just stands still, and then drops the shoulder one way and then goes the other way and goes past the man. And I love watching that happen. It's just one of those beautiful moments in football as far as I'm concerned. But look, we've just I'll, I'll just to... say this to, just oh, before you sorry, go on, on, on the William side of things. I will say this to Chelsea fans. You would hate to watch William play for another club. Because, you know, those of you that criticise, or, or if you do criticise, I hope you don't, but if you do criticise William for, for any of his perceived faults, if he played for another club, you'd see how good he was. If he went to play for uh, another top six team against us, you'd, you'd really rue the day he did, because I still think he's a, a hugely important player for us. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And look, we, we've, got, we've got to go to a, a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about... The wonderful youth players, and uh, we shall get right into it. Back in a minute. And we're back. Okay, so look, there, there's no point in, in not talking about it anymore. We have to talk about our youth setup, the players that are coming through Tamori, Abraham, Mason Mount against Wolves, they they just really showed why they've got places in the side at the moment, don't they, Naz? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised about Tammy's sort of early season form. Uh, he's just a ruthless, cold-hearted finisher. And uh, he's got all types of finishes in his in his repertoire as well. And it's just, it's just great to see. He's so confident. It feels like he is a Chelsea player. I thought the number nine shirt was supposed to be cursed, but certainly it's not. And yeah, you know, you saw them walking off the pitch arm in arm. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, Joe Edwards, Joe Edwards came over to them as well, um, and it was just a, it was just a lovely moment. I think that you know, if you, even if you weren't a Chelsea fan and you looked at that as a normal human being, you'd have your heart would have warmed to see just three young lads sort of living their dream and all of them scoring as well. I mean, it must have been unbelievable when they went over to the Chelsea away section if you were in there. No, absolutely. And, and can you imagine what it's going to be like if you get Callum Hudson-Odoi, Reese James and, uh, and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek in there as well? I mean, that, it, the, the squad could have six players who've come through. Uh, and that's quite remarkable, isn't it, Andy? After all the things we've heard about, oh, Chelsea's youth system doesn't work. 
finally it's come good but it has taken time because these things do don't they they do take time and i don't think any of us has ever said that the chelsea youth system doesn't work i think we have said that these players are going to have to wait for their chance and when they get their chance they're going to have to take it which which we said earlier in this podcast they have a lot of these players have gone out on loan they've played for other clubs they've developed their skills their strength their technique at other clubs and they've come back oven ready and match fit and i think that we have taken a very sensible approach as a club, which is to not throw players in early, not not to blood players too early and destroy their confidence. We've waited until the right time uh, and we've waited for the right manager, which we have now, who's going to believe and back and support youth. Uh, and it's really playing dividends. I mean, excluding own goals, Chelsea have become the first team in the Premier League history to have 11 consecutive league goals scored by players aged 21 or younger. In Abraham Mount and, T- and Tamore, Chelsea now have three English scorers aged 21 or younger in a single Premier League season for the first time since the 1992-93 campaign. Do you know who those three scorers were? Uh, Graham Stewart. Oh, you've read this quote. I haven't you? read it. You I'm always not, do I'm this. Oh, oh, let me think. <laughs> hey, well, I'm no Do you know, Naz? I don't know. I'm not that clever. Okay, Eddie Newton, <laughs> Neil Shipperley, and Graham Stewart were those three players. So, you know, it's it's amazing, and you know, all of our goals this season scored by academy products. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you know, I've been one that's been slightly, you know, sort of cynical about the possibility of of these players coming through. But you know, I've said on every time we've spoken, and and every time I've had an opportunity to, I'm really, really pleased I'm being forced to eat my words. Of course, I'm first and foremost, I'm a Chelsea fan. I want Chelsea to succeed, and I want these players to succeed. So them coming through, as as Naz said, is is heartwarming. That lovely quote from Tammy Abraham on Match of the Day when he said, "All three of us dreamt of this since we were little boys." I mean, that, I mean, if that doesn't make your heart sing, I don't know what does. Uh, and the worst thing about it for the rest of the world is they're all having to like Chelsea, especially Ian Wright, who's been so down on, oh, how they treat the youth players and everything. You know, you listen to him for the last few years. Oh, they need to all leave that club. They all need to get out. And now he's yeah, got well, to sit Yeah, that's all down to his say, son, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, of course it Sean. is. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, if you're no good playing for us, then sorry, you know, you, you've got to deal with it. And sorry, Sean, but... You weren't very good for us, and that's how it is. Um, but, you know, it, it is a wonderful story. And, of course, we'll probably see dips through the season where their form may tail off. They're still young. They're still learning the game. Or maybe we'll, Tammy Abraham will go and score 25 goals this season. I don't know. All we can do is take it week by week, can't we, Naz? Yeah, I think I wanted to also talk about Tamori, just say, you know, everyone's been hyping up all the youngsters. You see Reese James is the is the greatest right back in the world and, and Tammy Abraham's the most clinical finisher and Mason Mount gets a lot of positive publicity. But let's talk about Fikayo Tamori, the one who isn't hyped up at all uh, out of those guys, probably because he's a centre-back. But he had a wonderful game. He was, he was breaking up the play really well, got more touches of the ball than any other player during the match. I mean, won 87.5% of his duels. Um, his passing was really good, obviously scored a screamer. Um, so, yeah, he's showing he's at this level as well. But I think that it's a, it is about time that these youngsters have had a chance. Um, every time I've been reporting on the club, uh, I've been doing it for like three and a half years now. And f- until now, it's really been kind of depressing whenever you talk to a youth product, a loanee or or, or people down in the academy who are trying to bring these guys through. Um, and now it, it's just an unbelievable difference. It's, it's completely at odds with what I've been used to. Um, everyone, everyone down there is 
really happy. You've got Billy Gilmore signed a new deal, the guy who made his debut against Sheffield United. Um, if if Callum Hudson-Odoi did the same and, and believed in the same pathways, then Chelsea might, might have got Hudson-Odoi signed up much sooner. Um, it's kind of it's a great thing. It's really positive. Um, you need to give these guys a chance, even if they failed, um, which they haven't done. Um, but even if they failed, then you're at least showing the rest of them and the, the other good players you've got that they they might they might get a chance anyway as well. So um, you know, I think you need to give a few chances for academy players. And Lampard's giving more than any other manager can really say in the Premier League right now. And and I think that. That's because they're really good, but it's been about time, really. And um, Chelsea have probably lost a lot of great talent or, or or not let people reach their potential for a little bit too long, in my opinion. No, I think that's possibly true. You can never tell, can you? You know, <laughs> either players weren't good enough or they just didn't get the breaks. But um, do you think we should say something about uh, Jorginho and Kovacic as well? Because... I think they did a great job around all these youngsters. Well, we should. I think I think we've kind of skirted over Tammy a little bit. I'd like to spend a little bit more time on him because, you know, we we have to recognise the fact that he is having a stunning start to the season. We've scored 11 Premier League goals this season. He's got seven of them. I said on Twitter that what I really like about Tammy is his lack of theatrics. He's just all business. He just gets on with it. And, you know, he just looks built and and ready for this one thing i really loved was uh, i don't know if you saw but when he when he got replaced later in the game by mishi he got booed by the wolves fans and he just stuck the three fingers up one for each of the goals and uh you know and, and sort of just very confidently you know let the wolves fans know that he'd scored a hat trick and i'm just so so happy that he's risen to the occasion and you know if we've got a player that can score 20 goals a season. I mean, how, how fantastic is that? No, absolutely. I was actually going to talk about Jorginho and Kovacic and then end with the whole oh, I see. thing. But yeah, but, okay. well, I mean, Kovacic and Jorginho as well. I mean, Jorginho is, a, is, a, is a, you know, an, another great uh, heartwarming story this year. A player that was booed and ridiculed and slated and abused by certain sections of the Chelsea fans last year. You know, not just the social media warriors, but those in the stadium, I've stood next to, to fans who booed our own players, who booed Jorginho last season. Uh, and then at Norwich, we heard his song, being, uh, his name being sung. Uh, we've subsequently heard his name being sung before. I think he's developing into what we hoped he would be when he joined the club, which is a, a calm, uh, thoughtful, tactical, uh, nuanced and sophisticated midfield player that allows the rest of the team to tick. So he's been great. And Kovacic, another one that people thought we should send back to Real Madrid at the end of the season, really, again, showing what uh, an excellently technical player he's got. And also the fact that he's got a bit about him. He's got some passion and some energy, which Chelsea fans have really responded to. So having them in the team, as you say, with, um, you know, with the youth around them, I think that blend of youth and experience of that continental flair with some, you know, sort of with, with, with that you know, sort of English bonding. I think it's just a, a really good mix at the moment. Uh, how do you view, view that, Naz? Do you think they are adding that certain sensibility that keeps everyone going? I mean, we may well have dips and, and, and troughs through the season. It's, it's quite possible. But for the moment, they're, they're doing a great job, aren't they? 
Yeah, and I, I didn't expect them to be so good in that system because, you know, a lot of people see Jorginho as this, um, you know, he can only play in one system, he plays in the middle, does that sort of job that Sarri wanted him to do. But it was a very different job against the Wolves and it, it shows that people writing him off as a sort of one-trick pony have got it all wrong and he's he's varied his passes much more this season. There's more long balls, more forward passes, and he's absolutely fine doing that. I mean, when he was at Hellas Verona, I did a piece about it. He was playing attacking midfielder, so he can play in lots of different roles. He's a more uh, there's there's more to his game than people give him credit for, and uh, it's just that you know Maurizio Sarri made him so limited uh, when he was the manager uh, and gave him such a specialised role, but. I think that what a lot of Chelsea fans miss with him is that uh, you know he's a, he's a massive leader on the pitch as well, and and he, his work rate's unbelievable. Um, I was looking at the stats for um, the last few games. I was doing an Aspley quite a piece actually, but I was, I was looking at how much running the players do. Um, and Jorginho, time and time again, comes out on top, and he came out on top in the uh, in the game against Wolves. So um, I think that people should sort of see that work rate and see that uh, he's got more to his game as well. I think that. A lot of people are struggling to assess Jorginho and, and make their mind up on him. There's, a, there's almost this accepted view that he's a one-trick pony, but it's, it's completely wrong. He had the most key, key passes against Wolves as well on Saturday, so um, joint level with Mason Mount. So he's got plenty to his game, and obviously Kovacic is, is playing pretty well this season as well, so um, that's good to see. And I was one who sort of criticised Kovacic a bit more. I thought he, he wasn't that good last season, but... Lampard seems to have got a bit a bit extra out of him and he's he's sort of looking worth his money and it was it's he's kind of looking like a no brainer now to sort of sink that forty million on him. Um he does look like a forty million pound midfielder and, and that's great credit to him. Yeah, I, I like what what I like about Kovacic is we see this marauding side to him, which we never even got a hint of last year, where suddenly he gets the ball and he runs straight at players. It, it's wonderful, he slaloms through. So, well, what's yeah, interesting I, about that is if you watched any YouTube clips of him before he signed for Chelsea, that's what you saw. You know, you saw him pick the ball up in midfield and, and do an Essien like run at the uh, at the opposition. And we didn't see that under Sarri. And I think what's interesting about that is it shows how good soldiers both of those players are. They will, you know, they will follow orders. And if Sarri tells them to play in a certain way, however alien it is or uncomfortable it is or however much the fans get on their back, they'll do what they're told. And I like that about players. I like... I like my players to be to be soldiers to a degree. I want them to have some individual flair. But I like the fact that even though... It may not have been the most comfortable uh, way of playing for either of those players last season. They did what they're told. Yeah, yeah I, think, I just I, wanted to jump in there just quickly and just say that where that Kovacic change comes from is just that Lampard g- gives a bit more freedom in his system, um, a bit more freedom for players to express themselves when in possession of the ball. And, and, and that's probably where Kovacic was hurt last season, like Andy sort of touched upon there and, and where he's benefiting from. No, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. So, you know, um, the last the last thing I wanted to say, because we've jumped about a bit, I wanted to also just mention about Tammy. The, the thing I love about Tammy that we're seeing already is, A, we're putting the ball into an area where a striker wants it. And Tammy really doesn't move from the width of the goal, which I think is fantastic. Mm. And you do wonder, if we'd have played balls like that, how how many would Morata have scored for Chelsea? I kind of feel sorry for him because we never gave him the ball in the right way. But But the other thing is, with Tammy, I think what you saw is he can score scrappy goals, he can score great headers, and he knows how to play on the shoulder. Can score and, own goals. 
and he can score own goals as well. I mean, he's he's got everything, hasn't he, Naz? Yeah, he's, it, the important thing what he's got is he's got cojones as well. <laughs> he's he's just, uh, he, you know, the, the way it started for him this season with Liverpool missing the penalty, um, there was racism for him online and a lot was made of that and he had to answer a lot of uh, a lot of interviews that he maybe wouldn't have wanted to do, but he stopped and talked to the media after the game even though all that happened and he stood up and, and that, that's his mentality. He can handle the criticism that comes with being a Chelsea striker and that's something... Morata, who was just mentioned, couldn't handle, and and it's it's remarkable to think that a, a fifty-eight million pound player plus uh, going up to seventy million with add-ons couldn't handle the pressure of playing for Chelsea. And Tammy Abraham can okay, maybe not having that price tag helps Tammy as well, but um, he seems to have more to his game, seems to have more confidence, more more balls, and you feel like if it, if things go wrong for him as well, that he's he's going to get back on track, which is not not what you can say about certain number nines that have been before him. So that curse of the number nine shirt has well and truly been put to bed now, I think. And I'd be surprised if he didn't score 20 goals this season. And, and before the season started, I would have probably said the opposite. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting. Even Frank Lampard said that he had no expectations of Abraham. He had, he, he had trust in him. Um, and he wanted to give him chances um, and he would have gave him a first team chance even if the transfer ban wasn't in place. Uh, that's that's what Lampard said. So um, it's sort of a trust thing and he was willing to be patient with him as well. But he's not really had to be because this guy is a, the Premier League's top scorer now, level with Aguero. It's pretty good, Yeah, you have to say. Well, look, we, we have to wrap up on that side because we've got to finish off and there's two rather important areas to talk about coming up this week. It's Champions League week. It's Champions League week. We're back in it, Andy. How exciting is that? Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we got Valencia, obviously, uh, tomorrow night at home at the bridge. Champions League football, we should be in the Champions League. We, you know, we're a club that, 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 you know, that, that has a storied history in the Champions League now. It's old when we're not in it. So I'm very excited to go down there tomorrow night um, and, and see what kind of performance we put in against a different type of team from a very different league. I th- Bring it on, I say. And Naz, what do you think? Do, are we going to see a similar kind of side to what we saw at the weekend? Uh, as you said, Rudiger's out, so that will change. But will he be going gung-ho the full team out there even though we've also got Liverpool coming up at the weekend yeah I think so I think he's got to start with a win that's the important thing because if if Chelsea don't win and then kind of pressures on in the group there's Lille and Ajax in there as well as Valencia so it's quite a tough group even though Valencia are in turmoil which we could probably do an hour-long podcast about it's quite interesting if you get the time to read about it but um, yeah they're, they're a dangerous team they've still got great players very counter-attacking team um, probably similar to Wolves they play 4-4-2 but kind of you know the fact they've got a lot of pace up front um, like to sort of sit deep and, and hit you on the break so um, Lampard's got to be cautious about the sort of dangers Valencia pose and uh, they're, they're an angry group of players as well Kepa said Kepa's got a few friends in the Valencia dressing room and he said there's a rage in there that they've sacked uh, Marcelino and replaced him. So um, he, he's, he's, he's cautious and worried about that. So uh, it's going to be a tough game. And I think all games in the league. And then there's also the fact you're balancing it with the Premier League and, and it's a lot harder than last season. It's going to be harder to balance those two uh, sort of different um, competitions because you can't really rest players. 
um, in either competition. So you're going to have to be a bit cute about when you rest certain players. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be a big challenge for Chelsea this year to kind of compete on all fronts with a young team. And, and there's going to be ups and downs because of that, in my opinion, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Um, and we just have to... But that's the thing, you know, I got asked the other week, what would I be happy with? And I said, if we don't get relegated, I'm kind of happy, you know, and we're seeing evolution. So, yeah, whatever, bring it on. So, Andy, what do you think? Let's have a, a prediction for you for tomorrow night. Well, Chelsea and Valencia have met six times previously in European competition. Uh, Valencia haven't won any of those. We've drawn three uh, and we've won three of those six games. So there's history. I think that we are confident. We're strong. We're at home. They're in turmoil. 2-0 Chelsea. That sounds good to me. Um, Naz, for you. I just want to say Andy's gone with a clean sheet. That's certainly um, a bit of a shock, right? (laughs) No, I'm going clean sheet. I think that we are sorting our defence out week by week and they they will really want a clean sheet. And I think actually they would have been, although they scored five on Saturday, they'll they'll be disappointed with those two goals. So that'll be something that I've worked on. Okay, Naz. I don't back you. I don't back you there. I think it's going to be three-two goal fest. Three-two. Yeah. <laughs> three-two Chelsea, obviously. God, um, I hope not. Goal fest, stress, uh, but Chelsea edge it out in the end. Okay, I'm going to go for four-two Chelsea. I I can't see us keeping a clean sheet, especially if Rudiger's not playing. But you never know. We we will see. Okay, bring it on. Finally, we should we should really chat about the game at the weekend. The small matter of Liverpool coming to see us. Naz, how do you see that one panning out? Is it a little bit too early for, for our side? Or is it actually a pretty good time to be playing them? Well, yeah, Liverpool are probably the most dangerous team in Europe right now. So kind of a bad time to play them, I would say. But um, look... I think you want to play against the best teams and Chelsea want to measure themselves up. You know, they played Man United and, and suffered the defeat, but uh, this is a this is a team on a whole other level and, and Chelsea um, will find a game plan. I think Lampard will look at Liverpool, analyse them. There's no secrets with Liverpool. We know exactly how they're going to play. Uh, Chelsea did a good job in the Super Cup against them, so it shows that they, they can do a job when they need to. Actually, I thought Chelsea were marginally the better team in, in Istanbul and I was there um, and I thought, you know, it was, a, it was an amazing game. Chelsea-Liverpool is always an amazing game as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, you know, Chelsea are going to be underdogs in that game. Um, I wouldn't expect them to win it. But um, I think that they like to prove people wrong. It's a kind of season where they're not going to be pe- competing right at the top, Chelsea. So um, it's going to be kind of exciting to measure themselves up, especially for the young players. Like, imagine being Mason Mount getting a goal against Liverpool um, they've got a lot to prove on that level and it's going to be an interesting one and you've got the rivalry that's kind of grown between the two clubs as well now which is always makes it interesting All right, and what's your prediction for it then? Uh, Probably go with uh, 2-0 Liverpool but um, yeah I know it's not what you want to hear (laughs) No, no it's fine it's been nice having you on the show I doubt we'll get you on again but there you go Um, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, Liverpool have won five, drawn one of their last six. The draw was against us, as now said in the in the Super Cup, that two-all draw. Um, we got smashed by Man United on the first game of the season. Other than that, we haven't really played what you would consider to be 
very, very good opposition. Um, but Liverpool are, you know, they're a team that, that we've got a lot of history with and, and we've done well against Liverpool, particularly at the bridge. So I think, again, confident, strong. You've got players there that will grab this opportunity and, and want to make an impression. I think Frank is gradually sorting out his uh, sorting out his defence. I think Liverpool are a little bit overrated. I genuinely think they're a little bit overrated. I think they've got some good individual players, but I think they're not as dominant as people say they are. So I think we'll give them a very good game. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go one all. Oh, that's that's kind of what I was going for. So um, I'm not sure I can really agree with the, you know, uh, Liverpool a little bit overrated. I think they're actually very, very good side. Um, I think if we can get away with a draw, I think that'd be fantastic. I think two all, I'll go with that. It can't, can't take one all because you got it. But I can see a scoring. You know, I still think the difference between Liverpool and, say, City is that Liverpool have a defence. And a team like City, if you can get in there, as we saw with Norwich, you know, you can score. I, we'll, we'll see. I've got to stay positive because that's what football's all about. Anyway, we've, we've come to the end of the podcast. Um, I'd just like to say, as always, Andy, Great to ha- be chatting to you about all things Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, Good to see you. Good to hear you too. Absolutely. And Naz, it's been brilliant having you back on. Thank you for your insight and, and your thoughts. And no matter what your predictions, you will always be welcome on the Chelsea. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, I love it. I always love it. So, yeah, hope to see you guys again soon. Yeah, cheers, oh. Naz. See you soon, mate. All right. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.